It's time to talk about what spins were below those. All right, on today's episode, we're going to dive into Halo, the much-anticipated, long-gestating video game adaptation, which premieres on Paramount Plus on Thursday, March 24th. The sci-fi show takes place in the 26th century, where an enhanced super soldier or Spartan named Master Chief leads humanity's war against an alien race called the Covenant. When on a mission, he meets a young girl and finds a mysterious artifact that changes his life and how he understands it forever. And after the conversation, Master Chief himself, Pablo Schreibert, stops by to talk about becoming Master Chief and taking off the helmet, that controversy, and season two, which is already greenlit and much, much more. But before we jump into that, I've got to tell you that Bingeworthy is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, The Discourse, and more. We can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and now Spotify, and most places where podcasts are found. Follow us on iTunes and you'll get this podcast as well as our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating as we greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Okay, Rodrigo, you've yet to screen these two episodes of Halo that were sent to critics. And again, we are drowning in content right now, so I don't blame you. Either way, that puts you in the driver's seat for questions because I have seen these first two and I have plenty of uh, opinions when it comes to the show. Yeah, well, tell me all about it because I, I didn't ever play Halo, so I don't know much about it. But I, you know, one of the things that is, is uh, I think, almost famous at this point is that Peter Jackson and Neil Blomkamp were going to make this as a movie yeah. uh, ages and ages ago, like probably after District 9 when Neil Blomkamp uh, first exploded on the scene. Um, he kind of got carte blanche to do what he wanted, and then they did, went on to develop that, and nothing never happened. And then maybe, whew, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years later, a couple hundred million in development and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts overall? Yeah, I, what's kind of crazy there is the the story of it getting made is yeah. is kind of the most fascinating aspect here. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not that's not a knock on the show. It it does show promise, but they only gave us two episodes mm-hmm. and it it's like it's it's kind of a genius move on Paramount's part because you really don't know what the show is yet. And those episodes they're promising. They can also be, you know, at moments a little cliché. They can possibly be a little hamstrung by too many cooks in the kitchen, but you know, sometimes it feels like a big budget prestige show and it sometimes feels like maybe more of a mid-budget sci-fi original series which sometimes those can be good i mean between orange is the new black and the wire and american gods and his other work obviously pablo schreiber has proven he can be a captivating actor and really make some choices for a character and be you know someone that kind of grounds people but i mean master chief is purposely kind of muted in these first episodes so he's kind of numb to the world and the first two episodes are him kind of reawakening a bit. Do you see his face in the first two episodes? Yeah, yeah. That's the big controversy is they okay. don't they don't <clears throat> wait on making that a big reveal for like the series. Like Mandalorian was like, I think that yeah. might have been what was at the end of season one, maybe even season two where they did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it was a scene sounds like a good choice because that certainly hampered the Mandalorian. Yes, exactly. I think they learned from that and they were just like, we got to take this helmet off. And they do right in episode one. And that's been already talked about and debated quite a bit. And we even talk about it in our interview. But yeah, they, they just decide to pop it off right away. And, and obviously that's that's something where 
you know, people who play the games are like, Master Chief doesn't take his helmet off. But I mean, if you're making a television show about a human right. being, right, <laughs> he's got to take that helmet off, man. <laughs> well, that's I guess maybe that also speaks to one of my fears about this. Mm-hmm. And one of my fears about video games in general, uh, video game adaptations in general, or just any kind of narrative in this is it's like, you're like, it's about a human being, right? But like, is the video game about that? And it doesn't seem like it is. And so it's like, you have no. to No, Master right. Chief is a hollow shell for the player. Right. So that regard, you really, really got to adapt, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of like digging into, like, I always put for an example, it's a little bit different, but like, I think one of the greatest adaptations ever is the Lego movie because there's like nothing there. There's (laughs) just nothing there to like, you have a bunch of blocks and little characters and that's it. And somehow they turn that into this amazing story of like digging so deep. So like grant into this idea of like uniformity and conformity and breaking out of that, because I technically took the idea of like, this is so like, mono-like right like everything's the same just a bunch of blocks and they turned it into this amazingly deep incredible story and none of that was there in the original thing so it feels like to me like this is more or less kind of like a shooter game with not a lot of stories you really got to invent a lot of stuff well there's a lot of lore and plot and story that they could dig into okay yeah but I think they're just kind of picking and choosing. There are a lot of characters, like the characters they do choose to bring in from the games yeah, aren't necessarily the ones you'd think they'd want. Other than Master Chief and maybe a, right. a few others, there aren't necessarily ones where you're like, oh yeah, this is this is a big one here. They're picking and choosing or creating completely new characters, which I right. get. You, you kind of need people to be the eyes of the audience and kind of new to the world. Absolutely. When you, when you have a sh- when you have a show or a game or something like that that doesn't have a lot of human emotion to it, you've got to really dig in to find everything you can, right? Yeah, and that's kind of what this Quan Ah character, played by Yurin Ha, um, she is a newcomer to the universe, and and basically she's someone that Master Chief takes under his wing a bit in these these couple episodes and decides to protect kind of uh, his baby Yoda, if you will. (laughs) So he's kind of, I don't think they're going to go as far as to make that the show because that's already been done many times, especially recently with the Mandalorian, but they definitely do kind of start that way. But I think that's just a branching out point. Even Pablo himself says they're kind of on separate journeys. So I don't think that they're going to be necessarily something of a, of a lone wolf and cub, if you will. There's this already, uh, it just came out today and it's, uh, it's very uh, controversial on, on social media. There's a quote from the season one showrunner, Stephen Kane. And he says, we didn't look at the game. We didn't, we didn't look at the game. We didn't talk about the game. We talked about the characters in the world. So I never felt limited by it being a game. And, you know, a lot of people who are very uh, hardcore about the game are kind of up in arms and about, about that. But like I said, like, and I don't, and I don't want to denigrate something I don't know. So mm-hmm. this is what, what I, and you all, you, you please uh, steer me where I'm wrong. But like, I guess what I'm, <laughs> you know, um, trying to say is like what I suggested earlier, like if you've just got a shooter game and maybe there's a lot of lore about the, this planet and this and the aliens and this and that. But if, if you don't have a lot to work with, you kind of have to do that. Right. So like, I know a lot of people got offended by that quote, but I'm always like, it, it, it sort of makes sense to me. But then again, again, I don't know the game super well. W- what do you think about that? 
Yeah, I'm not someone who's played a ton of Halo games. I've played a little bit here and there, especially back in like the, the Halo 1 and 2 days. But mm-hmm. beyond that, uh, not too much. Um, so I don't know a ton. And I agree. I mean, if you're going to make the show stand on its own, you've got to look at it uh, for characters that are going to help the show and what they can do for the show and all this stuff. But you can't necessarily just keep throwing in character after character and reference after reference just to please the Halo fans. And I right. think they're trying to balance all of that it's just, it's one of these things, the journey for this, like I said, it's more fascinating than anything else. And that should be just because it's so crazy. Like you said, Peter Jackson was on board. Spielberg uh, at one point was trying to make this his, his Amblin television co-produces it still. And apparently he did have some input here, but yeah, there was Neil Blomkamp with an Alex Garland script, which I would have loved to see. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't realize Garland. Garland exactly, great. exactly. Um, and then it became this: this will they, won't they actually make it as a show in like 2014 or 2015? Mm-hmm. And then Showtime finally picks it up in 2017 or 18. And Rupert Wyatt's on board from Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and I mean right. he's since gone on to do the Mosquito Coast, which is great. Yes, uh, and was set to you know direct that. And Kyle Killen was writing and show running, and Pablo was brought on. And then Rupert Wyatt left and Kyle Killen left right before production and Otto Bathurst came on who did the most recent. That's a lot of, that's a lot of development. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. All this stuff, you know, Otto comes on, Stephen Kane comes on and you, it's just like, it's a miracle that this even makes sense, let alone has promise, which it does. And you get the feeling, you know, even talking to Pablo, he kind of infers that season one establishes the world, but season two is where it's elevating and they're making it a prestige show because now they're under David Weiner. He got a lot of praise for the show he did on Peacock, uh, Peacock's Brave New World, which was super expensive and ultimately got canceled. Probably because yeah. it was super expensive, way too expensive for Peacock. But I, I did hear good things about it. I didn't see it myself. But apparently, Pablo has a lot of faith in this guy. And he's really, really excited for people to see what they're turning the show into. So, I, I mean, it does show promise. It could go somewhere. I hear the the season one kind of leaves things on a cliffhanger uh, just through some things that I've heard. But based on the first two episodes, it could go a lot of different ways, man. It, it could be this sci-fi original series type thing, or it could be, you know, something that kind of elevates itself as the thing goes on. You know, what's like, again, back to that point, and I guess I, I hate to keep harping on it, but it feels like kind of what a lot of video games do, like, and, and they're tricky to like, you know, people are like, why is like, when are they going to do a good one of these? And why can't they get them right? And it's like, because a lot of them is just like, okay, world building, right? Like, of mm-hmm. course, those things have such re- the, the world building, the texture, the everything that they have in it, that's extremely well established right yeah however that's just one element right like what are the characters what are like like i'll even go back to like a very basic thing of like a video game that i played back in the day like uh and i love which was the legend of zelda games right oh sure it's like when are they going to do that that's like and the world building of that is amazing but like okay i played most of those but like who is really like what who is link like what do you care it's fun to be Link. is it fun to watch Link? right well but i don't know anything about him Right. I mean, even still then, like, I know he was like, this young kid. I can glean maybe that he was like, I don't know, had maybe like this mischievous sense of humor. I think people like sometimes forget that element and 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 don't realize how much there still needs to be added and created because it's like super rich world building, but world building isn't a movie. Like yes. ultimately we're there to see people and their struggles within those amazingly rich worlds, right? 
Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I think that's just one of the difficult challenges that all of these things will always have because like, you know, Mortal Kombat or whatever, all these great characters, right? Like everyone's played that, you know, everyone knows their stuff, but but like, but who are they? And Mm -hmm. I know, like, I'm sure there's gotta be someone out there who goes like, who cares? That's not what it's about. (laughs) And it's like, I'm sorry to tell you that it is, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm sorry to tell you that like, you have to create some sort of human emotion, challenge, difficulty, whatever it is to everybody and really, and then create a story that connects to those people as well. It's, it's quite challenging because it's, it's mostly just kind of stock characters that, that aren't like dimensional. Conventional and, yeah. and an amazing basic archetypes applied to those worlds. Yeah. Right. And then story that you have to sort of like, of course, video games have stories 100%, but to work in narrative, they have to often be like re-engineered to work for, you know, the kind of Absolutely. narrative on, on television or in movies. But anyhow, that's my spiel. And I kind of feel for a lot for anybody trying to adapt a shooter game, because those, especially you're generally, if you, everyone's played a shooter game, you, you, it's all the same thing, right? It's just like it depends on on what the world is, and but they have a, a similarity there that that presents a big challenge. Yeah, you're you're generally you know shooting up and moving through this level and solving a puzzle of of sorts. And that kind of is what's starting to happen here. He's found this artifact and he's trying to put this puzzle together about himself and about the, you know, the greater picture of things and where things stand. And and obviously there's a lot of different political affiliations with some that know more than others. So it has like elements of maybe it could become like an outer space game of thrones but i think that's kind of not quite there yet it's obviously they kind of took some inspiration there and that there's a lot of different characters and loyalties and all that stuff but it could be a little bit of the expanse in there as well if if people watch that there's kind of elements of all these greater shows we'll see if it's able to elevate itself and become you know, something that stands shoulder to shoulder with those. But like I said, the genius of Paramount is that they only showed you a sliver of it and people are, are judging things based off of that. Well, the other thing is we know like the competition is just so fierce for, yes. for eyeballs and stuff. So it's like good. It doesn't really cut it anymore, right? You, like to catch on with TV, it's got to be great. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, and that's a challenge that everybody has to face these days. I'm a big fan of sci-fi, so I will stick with it and I will keep reporting back to you and let you know if it's yeah. well i'm gonna check in good. i'm gonna check in with it eventually it's just i'm juggling like as you do like every month i feel like i have to watch 10 different shows and we've certainly got some big ones on the horizon here that we're already and, that, and that's kind of why there's it's great that there's two of us <laughs> exactly <laughs> sometimes we have to triage a little bit more than, than we would like but yeah mm-hmm. all right well halo premieres on paramount plus on thursday march 24th uh let's listen to my chat with pablo schreiber Super. Thanks so much for giving me your time today. I'm a big fan. All the way back to oh, a little, yeah. yeah, a little film called Bubble Boy. <laughs> yeah, all hey, the way back there, watch man. Watch out now. Watch yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> and as much as I'd love to sit here and try to relearn and recreate Bright and Shiny together, I know we're here to talk Halo. So let's do it, man. Yeah, let's move on to other things. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you do that enough. Yeah, uh, you know, we, weekend sing-alongs of the Bright and Shiny <laughs> definitely every every weekend at my house. <laughs> so Halo itself has been in development for quite a long time. I believe the first release date for the show, you know, the movies will put behind us, but the show itself, I think 2015 was one of the first release dates we had. Why don't we start by talking about how and where in the process you got involved? 
I got involved in 2018. Rupert Wyatt was attached to direct the the first couple episodes. Rupert and I had tried to work together on a couple other projects. It didn't work out. And so he pulled me in on this one. And um, I was pretty thrilled. I was excited and ready to go. And then I got word that he was pulling out because of schedule and, uh, and couldn't uh, make it work time-wise. Sure. And so then there was some a dead few months where I didn't hear anything. And then Otto Bathurst took over for uh, the first couple episodes. And um, I was I was asked to come audition for him in London. So I came over, it was early 2019, I think the spring of 2019. I flew to London and uh, auditioned for him and found out about an hour later I got the role. Wow, nice and quick. Luckily, they nice didn't... Nice and quick, yeah. It wasn't one of those 20 audition things that you hear about, those nightmares. No, 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 no. no. Thank God. I'm, I, I don't think I have the patience for that. But uh, <laughs> I certainly would have, you know, what done whatever I needed to do. I was I was pretty hell-bent on playing this role, so... Yeah, so as far as like the Paramount Plus and all, this is, this is a pretty huge project for them. This is a prestige project. So when you jump on, does it feel like this behemoth or are you able to... Kind Kind of have input in breaking and remolding the character a bit since you're kind of a blank canvas in the games. When I got involved, it was a Showtime project. Right. Um, and so they were the network for all of the shooting of the first season. So yeah, it was, it, I would say it was very much in, in flux still. They were still figuring out where things wanted to land. When I got involved at first, it was uh, with scripts that were written by a fellow named Kyle Killen, who had written some pretty interesting scripts that, that attracted me to it. And then, uh, he decided not to come over to Budapest. And so a showrunner named Stephen Kane ended up coming in to, to get us through the first season. You know, the, the, the season was, was still in process and being written uh, when I got involved. So there was definitely room to put my stamp uh, on the character. And, you know, my goal through this whole process, and uh, we've been picked up for second season now, so it remains the same. You know, I just want to I want to elevate everything I'm involved in and, and make it be the best version of itself it can be. So that sense of trying to elevate it beyond genre status remains in effect for the second season. And um, I'm really happy with the scripts we have coming in. We have a new showrunner, David Wiener, who's uh, writing the material for the second season. And uh, it's really coming out nicely. He's going to elevate this to a whole nother place. And I'm, I'm really excited to work with him. I'm excited to see it. I've seen those first two episodes. Obviously, there's a lot of promise yep. there. I'm, I'm excited to see where it yep. goes. And you get to see yep. Master Chief in action right away. They don't skimp on that. Nope. And that, that costume, I, I know you said it's something like 50 pounds. Uh, it's a, it's a whole new level for bulky costumes, man. I know, <laughs> you know, with, with other shows like Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal, he's under the helmet sometimes during filming, but you know, yep. he does a lot of tag teaming with stunts and, and voiceover and post. How much would you say you spent in the suit and under the helmet? Uh, and, and did you enjoy that? Um, well, I spent a great deal of time there. That's for sure. I spent as much time as I, as I physically could, you know, we decided to block shoot a lot of our action sequences. So there was days uh, towards the end when we were shooting all the all the big action stuff simultaneously where there may have been, you know, three different chiefs on three different sets at one time. That's crazy. You know, I might be over in one spot shooting a dialogue scene and um, Justin Howell, my very, very capable stuntman might be hooked up to um, wires somewhere doing an aerial trick. And there might be a, a third chief because we had a couple other stunt guys 
you know, being shot from behind or doing some running or something like that. So it just wasn't possible for me to be in every single shot that was made of the TV show, nor would I really want it to be. You know, it's a, uh, it is a massive job to be in there each day. So when there was an opportunity to, to take a break and, and relax a little bit, I often took it. And even in the episode, you know, you get to take the helmet off. I know it's a big thing with gamers this week. A lot of people with all caps, like Master Chief takes its helmet off and people for yeah. it and against it. I mean, yeah. how does it feel to step into a universe where something so little, seemingly obvious for, from a storytelling standpoint, mm -hmm. can cause such mm -hmm. a debate? How have you been reacting to all of it? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, um, I'm reacting to it fine. You know, it's like everybody has their opinion and we knew this coming in, right? We knew that, uh, it was going to be a divisive moment because there's a lot of, there's a lot of love for the project and a lot of love for chief. You're kind of a, a co-owner of the character and a co-creator of the experience. Uh, every person who's ever played the video game, uh, has played as chief and felt like they're him. And that's the setup of the character. That's what he's supposed to do. That's why he is a cipher and, and kind of kept vague in, in the character uh, description and how it's laid out uh, because you, you want to fill in those. Uh, they want you to fill in those places of his personality with your own. But, you know, it's very different than a TV show. So uh, in order to, to make a long form TV show that is going to hold an audience's interest over multiple seasons, we hope um, it really did feel like a necessary move to do it. But, you know, we also knew that there are as many uh, opinions on, on what should happen in the Halo universe as there are Halo fans and that it was always going to be, you know, a loaded topic and, and we respect everybody's opinion. It's, uh, it's entirely fine that if people don't agree, but we just hope that, uh, people, you know, when they see the show, that they respect the reasons that the decision were made. And, you know, I think if it, for fans who disagree and don't want to see the helmet come off, I think if you can surrender yourself to the experience and give yourself over to kind of sitting back and watching Chief and experiencing a universe that you've loved for so long in so many different ways, in a new way, experiencing it differently, um, I think the experience can be very rich and rewarding for people. Um, and if you can't, you know, if it's impossible for you to uh, let go of that and experience that, then that's okay too. You know, we, we respect everybody's opinion. I mean, I would encourage them just to, to give it a second look. I mean, <laughs> you need yep, to take a helmet off to, to connect, you know, with with the character. I think even Mandalorian ran into that towards the end of their seasons as well. I was almost tempted, like in that shot, where it's coming up to you, you got to take your helmet off. I just, part of me, the guy that watched Spaceballs a million times, wish you would throw it up and be, yell, I can't breathe with this thing on. But sadly, that, <laughs> uh, that's not available to us. Yeah, um, really, you know, I was tempted to do a full Wally Sean uh, when I pulled it <laughs> off. But, uh, you know, I, I decided to stick more uh, more in the leading man territory. You made the right choice. <laughs> um, you got a little kind of a lone wolf and cub thing going on uh, in even in I, I keep saying Mandalorian, but Mandalorian and Grogu uh, between Master Chief and this new character, Quan Ah, they have kind of a connection, I guess I'd call it in these these first episodes. Can you tease how pivotal maybe that relationship is to the first season as a whole, or are they kind of on separate journeys? Yeah, they're they're eventually on separate journeys. Uh, I think she's sort of response. She's kind of the conduit uh, that wakes him up. You know, mm -hmm. she's part of the experience. You know, obviously the interaction he has with the artifact is the primary driver of awakening him to something. He has, uh, you know, some some 
memories from childhood when he touches the artifact. And that's the first thing that happens for him. But because he's in this raw place after that experience, he interacts with this girl in a totally different way. And then after being and and takes her with him where, you know, he probably wouldn't have in any other moment. And then when being, you know, um, tasked with uh, eliminating her or uh, assassinating her, basically, uh, at the orders of the UNSC, he blanches and, and, you know, decides to go a different route where at another time he absolutely would not have uh, decided to disobey orders like that. So she's she's uh, a conduit to change for him and to to helping him wake up. You know, I think Quan and Soren have some intertwined destinies. uh, And through the course of the first season, I think they're adventures are going to be a welcome detour uh, for Halo fans to enjoy as well. All right. So we already know, you mentioned before the season two has been greenlit and you, you're seeing scripts. Where exactly are you in the process when you guys going to start shooting on, on season two? Uh, we're going to start this summer. We're just trying to lock down exactly the timing. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, when um, when our new showrunner feels like he can deliver the scripts. Um, they're, they're being worked on now. They're coming out great. I really love what's coming out of the writing room this year. Uh, our new showrunner, David Wiener, is uh, an incredible talent and is bringing the uh, material to a place that feels just so much deeper and richer and more interesting. And I'm so excited to get to work on them. That's exciting. Are they, are they pulling? Well, I guess I don't want to spoil anything for, for people that are looking for content from the games or anything like that. But I, I know you've been playing a lot of like uh, Halo Infinite recently. You've been trying some campaigns mm-hmm. out. Has this kind of an, awoken a, a dormant inner gamer in you? I know you didn't really have a lot of TV and video games growing up. Um. No, man. I I mean, I have fun playing, but it's not the core experience for me. You know, <laughs> being uh, being a gamer hasn't ever felt like uh, it's been necessary to my performance process of the character. You know, getting to know what's been established in uh, all of the Halo games was absolutely key to creating a performance, you know, and obviously, um, you know, the, the voice, the legendary voice work of Steve Downs and creating the character was incredibly important for me to understand and to know and to make myself as familiar with as possible. But as far as the gaming aspect, it's uh, I have fun with it. But no, I'm, I, I focus on the things that have a tangible effect on my performance, like you know, training and and getting myself familiar with the suit and the weapons, and and uh, focusing on on story as much as possible. Very nice. You also have a, a smaller part in Hulu's upcoming series, Candy, uh, this May. What can you tease about that project, and and who do you play? Oh God, it's so cool. Um, <laughs> I just had such a blast. I really had such a blast working on that. Jessica Beale plays uh, Candy Montgomery, which is a, a woman in Texas in, in 1979 who murdered her friend and, and fellow churchgoer with an ax. Um, I play the husband, Alan Gore of uh, Betty Gore, who who she killed with an axe. And Betty is played by Melanie Linsky, who's a terrific actress that yeah, I, I really Melanie. enjoyed working with. And and Jessica was was phenomenal in the role. Tim Simons plays uh, Jessica's husband, and um, it was just a wonderful cast. Really, really amazing script uh, that were shot in a in just a gorgeous, beautiful way for the time period. It just feels super, super um, authentic and down to earth, and and just really well done. I'm I'm really excited for that one. Yeah, that sounds fun. You have this extremely diverse career. Looking at it, just 
listed out on IMDb or Wikipedia or whatever you look it up on. It's allowed you to play a big variety of roles from comedy to drama, to thriller, to action. Is there anything that you haven't done that you're like, I really want to dig into this at that point? Yeah. You know, one of, I've said this before and it's a little bit of a cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. I have been so astounded. And one of the, one of the really great joys of my career has been not having expectations of what's coming next Mm. and, and just being surprised and astounded by what does come and how perfect it always tends to be for me. So <laughs> if I get too far ahead of myself in like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, it tends to dampen some of that gratitude and discovery uh, that has been so key for me. And so I really try not to do that too much. My one, you know, my main one of my main goals as an actor is just to stretch myself in as many different directions as I can, and to push myself as far as I can in each of those directions. And Uh, You know, this piece of the puzzle certainly felt like a grand challenge to play Master Chief. I couldn't think of something that was more challenging. And so it really does fit into the larger continuity of my of my career in that way. You know, it just feels like a really vital and far uh, branch of the tree that I get to push out onto. So uh, in terms of what's next, I don't know. And I can't wait to see. (laughs) And it's going to be really exciting to find out. Sure. Well, your name always pops up in those fan casting for like Marvel and DC movies. I, I, I know maybe conversations have happened or maybe they haven't, but that's something that I think you'd be very, very, very good at. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I have seen things pop up a lot. I've had a bunch of discussions with Marvel at different points in my career. We've never been able to find, you know, the right thing at the right time, but I'd certainly be open to that. Um but yeah, it's just staying open to the right path. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I'll, I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. Well, you're, you're Canadian, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is a certain superhero that's on Marvel's list to debut very soon. And I, I'd love to see you as that guy, but um, either way. Ooh, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a guy named Wolverine. He's pretty awesome. Oh goodness. Yeah. Well, we flirted <laughs> with that one for a while. That's, oh yeah. That oh, would yeah. be fantastic. That would certainly be a dream casting. I, I love, he's actually my favorite, my favorite hero from a child. He was always my favorite comic book. So for yeah, sure. I've had a long, a long uh, flirtation with that guy. So, you know, yeah. obviously that'd be a dream, but yeah, you know, absolutely. No, no eggs in any baskets. Just, uh, just stay open and keep working and, and keep trying to elevate everything. I'm in. Absolutely. Well, you do. You certainly do. And I'm a huge fan. For our listeners, Halo will debut on Thursday, March 24th on Paramount+. Plus. Pablo, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Really appreciate yours. Thanks for getting the word out. 